Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And our sponsor for this series is the wonderful Tops Tile. So thank you, Tops. For those of you with big interiors plans for 2020, which seems to be quite a few, judging by the numbers downloading the last episode, our budget revamp special, if you've got redesign fever, you might like to know that Tops' tile of the year is called Siren, S-Y-R-E-N, and it's a sort of interesting scallop curved shape, but it's the colour, it's a kind of deep and moody midnight blue, which is massively on trend at the moment. Oh, it so is. In fact, the Pantone colour of the year is called classic blue so this literally is the perfect shade I think for a bathroom it's just really calming and it's kind of got that connection I think with nature but it's also a really good color that classic sort of dark blue I would say works in both a traditional bathroom and a really modern one too and it's interesting the curved scallop shape we're seeing a return to that kind of art deco oh, it's feel. Like everywhere so it's the shape it? of the moment as well but what I like about it is you can lay it in all sorts of different directions to create different patterns so you can have it going up like a fish scale or going across or the other way up with the curve at the bottom so you can create your own style with it get really jazzy with it because seriously curves are everywhere and it's lovely to see this trend coming to tiles which have traditionally been a bit linear haven't they They so thumbs up tops So now we're at Sophie's house today after some time, actually, isn't it? And I think the big ambition for 2020 is an extension. Yes, yes, yes. But before we get on to that, we need to tell everybody what's lined up for today. Come on, then. So, yes, I'm going to give you an update on what's happening at the house, extension plans. And there are a few new rooms for you to have a peek at, too. Uh, We're also going to discuss our theory of the red thread. And then finally, panelling. Yay or nay? It's all over, isn't it? Can't wait till we get to that. So talk me through it. Is your big house in the country not big enough? I know. Well, we're not totally committed to the extension yet. We're going through the quite lengthy, laborious planning. But when we bought the house, we did have aspirations to rejig the layout. So our kitchen is at the north end of the house with a view of where we park the cars. And it's and, quite small. And it's modest size. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also literally where we spend 90% of our time. Yeah. You know, we hang out there. Arthur does homework there. We eat there. Like we're in the darkest, smallest room of the house. So the idea again is, I suppose, is think how you live and plan accordingly. And actually the south facing end of our home, which is where the sitting room is, is the one that has the views of our beautiful garden. We've got a stunning willow tree and then far reaching views of the woods. It's a view of a very 1980s conservatory at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, cut. Would you think I wouldn't notice? Oh, I'm so ashamed of our 1980s conservatory. It never gets Hang on long enough, it'll be back round. No, it's never coming back. Can I come in? in? Yeah, go on, go and have a look. Come on, Lucy. Lucy's coming. <laughs> Is she allowed in here? There's guinea pigs. Wow. Oh, God. They're caged in. Oh, hello, guinea pigs. They're massive. <laughs> what, the guinea pigs? Have you ever seen a guinea pig? No, I don't think I have. Have a chat with them. Hello, yeah, I don't have to touch them, do I? <laughs> Are they boys? Do you know they're boys? They're called Jeff and Jerry. Jeff and Jerry. They're brothers. Hello, boys. Hello, guinea pigs. So, here we are in your 1980s conservatory... Can you hear them? <laughs> Is that Jeff or what? F and Jeff? Je- no. 
<laughs> Efferson Jeffords. No, it's <laughs> Jeff and Jerry. Jeff and Jerry. He actually got nearly Jeff's eaten by Lucy. Ne- Lucy nearly got hold of um, Jeff once, so I think he's pretty traumatised. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I'm not sure I can stay in here with the competition from the guinea pigs. Um, so this is... Yeah, your this classic is your classic sort of conservatory. oval conservatory. So what what you do, knock it down and start again. Yeah, well, the problem we've got is because we converted what was the garage into my mum's annex when we bought this property, we've now yeah. got no outbuildings or outdoor storage. Yeah. So the idea is, is that we would produce a workshop for Tom and a sort of bit of garage storage. Well, that's how I basically got this past him. I was like, oh, you could have a workshop, darling. <laughs> and I got him on board. And that, people, is how to get your partner to agree <laughs> to your plans. Promise them whatever it takes <laughs> and then somewhere in the build it might just get lost but they'll have forgotten about that by then <laughs> so yeah so where we're standing now you can see even though this is a really nasty plastic conservatory which is really dated and tatty actually the view from here is like gorgeous isn't it so this is where i want to be this is where i want to be standing cooking spending it makes time with much my family more sense for this to be the kitchen yeah so that's that's the plan and then we would open it up into the living room to create that open plan space which i've really missed since we've moved here i really miss not having that living dining kitchen area yeah also our house is quite dark and i know my husband it drives him nuts and he really wants to suck more light into the house well that's country houses for you isn't Mm, it i suppose because they often have small windows yeah so would the plan be to build something in keeping with the kind of sussex farmhouse style or are we having a modernist glass cube yeah i think we'll probably go that way and make it quite modern and bit more like my mum's annex which is yeah. very cubey and modern so I think that's again it's got to go through planning but that's the intention and really big windows again the husband really wants that light so having those really big glassy windows and to fake that to try and make it look Victorian you just it can't really do tricky. it mm. so are you already fantasizing and mood boarding about your dream kitchen oh, yeah oh come on give give I mean on the basis we're a what are we a year away from that <laughs> um I'm feeling yeah a yellow kitchen like a mustard that's what I'm no. vibing at the moment. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think so. Or I go greens and then, because I do really like green. But and you've already green got a here. green kitchen. You see, I think this mm. is what happens. What do you think you of my yellow kitchen You won't want green, but what, um, oh no. Yellow? Yeah, like a, but like a warm saffron. Like that colour Rita Koenig's done for plain English. It's yeah, called nicotine. It? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Not a bright, vibrant yellow, I don't think. Something a bit more grounding. Lucy, get out the guinea pig food. Seriously. <laughs> Um, well, you're wearing a yellow jumper today, but so it is one colour, of your colours, isn't it? And I think again, thinking about how you want the space to feel, which I'm all about the feeling of a space and how colour really affects how we feel and behave in a space. And I'm just imagining yellow; it's uplifting, it's mood enhancing, it's happy, and I want a happy, bright, sunny kitchen. So that's what I'm going to go for. So while we're talking about well-being, yeah. I've got some stats. Oh, of course she has. <laughs> oh, I love a stat. This is actually a survey by our sponsor, Tops Tiles, and they spoke to over 2,000 people about colours and well-being and what colours make them feel good. What, good. what, what are people's favourite colours for interiors? So interestingly, I think we've spoken before about a yellow bedroom is supposed to not be a good oh, no, idea. that's not a good idea. What well, are the people saying? 45% of people who spoke to Tops said they slept like a baby in their yellow bedrooms who are every these night. People? I, don't, I don't know. Do you want me to ring up and find out? <laughs> However. 45% of people said they slept well. Well, that's 55% of people who don't still, right? Well, that, yes. Well, right, you can turn it round. The top five colours for well-being and health. According to this survey. According right. to this survey. Well, this works for you. Green and yellow, yeah. 71%. So they were joint first place. So actually, Four happy colours. Oh, well, there you go, yeah. Well-being and health. So actually, if you're going to have your yellow kitchen looking out over your green fields, 
Winning! Happy days! There we go. <laughs> Next, uh, 62% was white. We'll come on to that in a minute, I think. I've you got, and yes, white. I want to show you my issues. white office. Yeah. Uh, 60% blue. Now, that's oh, an that interesting one because... That surprises me. I thought that would come higher. But also, well, blue's the world's favourite colour, isn't mm. it? But it doesn't say what kind of blue. And, you know, when I... If standing in your house, if I think of blue, I probably think of cobalt blue. Mm. But obviously, there's the navy, classic navy we've just spoken which about. Which is colour much of the year, more subdued. Which... I love as well, but then there's sky blue, which doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, so. periwinkle blues, and then you've got then you can move into your teals, yes. which is a real marmite colour. People are either, in my experience, really passionate about teal and love it, and yeah, it's their favourite, or they can't, can't go anywhere near it. Where are you with teal? Mm. You can't do teal. No, not. Well, I wouldn't do it in my house. No. I might like looking at it occasionally. Fifty-seven <laughs> percent um, red. I find that weird. Red in the house. Yeah, you don't see that very often. Do you don't you? see that very often, and still coming through with grey. Interesting. People still love their greys. Yeah, they just don't know what don't talking Don't upset now. all the listeners, all right? <laughs> now, but what I think is interesting is that according to the people that Tops surveyed, the worst colours for well-being, right? So, all right, we can take black 56%. That, that was number one, quite the, the worst colour, black. That's the worst colour. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's everywhere, isn't it? It Everyone's is everywhere. painting but things But the black. other colours get this. If you pay any attention to Instagram, the colours that come in as worst for well-being are cream, beige, pink and orange. Now, you can wow. rebrand that beige into linen or acru or mushroom Very or taupe. popular. Very popular. Orange, you can call it terracotta or rust. So... It's interesting that there's still some resistance to those colours. What's really interesting, though, as well, is like what you've kind of pointed out is there's no nuance there. So you take pink where you've got bright yeah. fuchsia pink all the way through to very putty, plastery, brownie pink. And they're completely different colours and people react to them in different ways. So I suppose the thing is, rather than just writing off a whole colour, get really in tune with what pitch the what tone of colour you like but it yeah. says here oh she can't come away from the stats I can't Look, I love a stat <laughs> the varying shades of pink such as dusty rose millennial bubble gum so yeah. call it what you like that's pretty much covering all the pinks it's done 1.5% of Brits are opting to use this colour in the 1. home 1.5% of Brits have in got the pink sitting in their room. home in the sitting room. Oh, in the sitting room. Yeah, yeah well, maybe it's more popular bedroom colour, do you Shall think? we just go back through your pale pink sitting room to uh, <laughs> look at your yeah. white office? No, what do I know? Seriously, <laughs> colour expert? I don't think so. Walking through, I actually find your pale pink sitting room very restful. Well, it's very, very pale. It's called Sea Pink by Sanderson, and it's a very subtle pink. I personally... A bit too would, subtle for you. It's too subtle for me. I'd like to have gone a lot stronger, but it was that thing of compromising with my husband. And actually, now it's on the walls, I think I probably could have got away with a stronger colour. But don't worry, because I'm bringing the colour, as you can see, everywhere else in the artwork, in the cushions, in the curtains, and I've got yes, my happy doors. The so that was, door. a, that was a sort of knee-jerk reaction. And um, the decorator was just finishing off and he was about to leave and these doors were white. And I was like, well, they can't stay white, but what colour should they be? I don't want them pink. I want them to pop out. They're like double doors into our living room. And I had a pot of yellow paint left over from a job, which was very sunflower. And so we did a coat and that was like, oh, no, that's too bright. So we added some white, added some white, added some but white. But you know what you could do? You could, when you've done your kitchen in your mustardy yellow, you could paint that door in the same colour to match the kitchen that to connect, connect them. them. Well, I think that's the thing. And, and I really like, like that kind of mustardy. What about an orange kitchen would be nice? 
I'm having a real orange, orange moment. Orange is the colour well. of optimism. Yeah, so an orange, and actually, it's really good for digestion. Orange. It's really good for anything around food. I might just have food. to stay in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure I can be in these strong colours. So this now we come into Sophie's office, which obviously I find incredibly restful. And Sophie finds very stressful oh, because it's there. white. And I said to you at the time, why have you painted this white? White and echoey. Sorry, listeners. This room was a, a sort of formal dining room by the previous owners of the house. It had a dark green carpet, white walls, black stripy beams overhead, and this big double um, window doors wasn't here so it was really dark really yeah. dank really depressing so the first thing we did was knock a big hole in the wall get that lovely view of the garden get some light in here and then my thought with it being an office is because I've got so much color and pattern and I'm quite a maximalist you everywhere else <laughs> I thought well, in my office you know where I create I'm just gonna have a blank canvas so I don't feel swayed by any particular color it literally is that pure blank canvas to work from what's interesting though is that you know, you always say, one always says, I always say, if you've got a small dark room, don't paint it white. Well, because it will always be, dark. well, it's not small, but it's quite dark. It will always be dark. It'll just be a dark room painted white. It's, and it's, this white has made it cold. It's, it's dark and it's cold. Yeah, but it's January and it's like yeah. three o'clock in the afternoon. It isn't always. And I work here, obviously, in the day and in the morning. It's actually got quite a nice east morning light that comes in. So, yes, at the moment, it's just looking grey, isn't it? But, no, really, I think for me, oh, I don't actually know what I was thinking because I, <laughs> I just don't. I think I thought I was pretending to be someone else. Were you pretending um, to be me? I think I was trying to pretend to be someone who's got a really clear mind full of clarity and vision and organization and actually I'm not I'm just someone who wants a right old jumble of color and pattern and clutter in the background and that's how I do my best work so wallpaper pattern clashing blinds and curtains colorful rug on the floor it's all coming in here she's just trying to ban me from her house by stealth <laughs> I won't be able to come in here either so so you will find that stimulating yeah, I'll yeah. come in here and I'll have a boost. I think the thing is, is you've got to think about when you walk into a room, how do you feel? At the moment, I walk in here and I'm like, oh God, I've got to work. Yeah. Yeah, this is just not giving me joy. Whereas if I walk in here and I see my favourite palette of colours, so yes, it's going to be the pinks. It's going to be the poppy acid yellow. It's going to be that lovely cobalt blue from the hallway I'm going to draw into here somehow. So have you decided on the main colour then? I really like this... Um, incredibly insane house of hackney wallpaper but it is really full-on look there's a swatch oh salmon pink i've got no, the lights not on salmon pink. it's called i can't remember the name it's of artemis it. artemis yeah it's quite a well-known one it, you see it quite a lot but never in, you very rarely see it in this colorway because the background color is really bubblegum rather it is than bubblegum isn't it and then it's got actually what's almost a sort of pale navy an orange and, orange, and neon yeah. green well, you're scoffing at my wallpaper swatch, but you've got a pink office. I'm not scoffing. <laughs> I'm just saying it's quite bright. And also that you're going to mix it with leopard print and all Moroccan rugs. Um, my office is a haven of tranquility. Um, it is a very pale pink right. all over. It's got a fireplace, which is burgundy, and it's got a sort of cream carpet. So it's quite tonal. And there's a gold ceiling, obviously, which regular listeners will know. It's quite high because I've got a Victorian house. And it's metallic gold, and I love it because I think it sort of creates a warm glow over and the rest of the room. And that's nice for you when you're working, that's, to have but, a feeling of warmth. 
and and soft calm they're soft colors for me that's very calm there is no pattern in there at all and I've got a vintage Georgian desk that I bought off eBay so for me those pale colors I find that very calming and it's very tonal so it might have a pale pink and a slightly deeper pink going through to burgundy and winding up at gold but there's not high contrast. There's not high contrast. And the thing, the thing is, is when, you, when you use high contrast colours, which I love to do, say, for example, my hallway, which is deep blue with a shocking pink runner, you're creating a lot of contrast, but it's creating a lot of energy and it's very visually arresting yeah. and it's quite invigorating to look at. And that's what I like, especially in a hallway where you're coming in and you're like, wow, you know, that was how see, I, I was the feeling that I wanted to create. I love coming into your hallway. But, but you don't want to hang out there. I find it, well, <laughs> I think I might hang out there more than in this new yellow kitchen um, or potentially in here with that wallpaper. Um, I find that high contrast quite stressful. And mm. I think the key takeaway for anyone listening to this is, you know, you can have any colours in any combinations you want, but you have to get the tone right for you. So mm. we could stand here and say, we both love pink, and we both love green, but if you were to put us in two white rooms, we would have very different pinks and greens, yeah. and the effect would be completely different. Oh, that's Arthur home. Is he home from school? Home from school. Mm-hmm. Is it that time? <laughs> Hello, love. Mummy's saying that she needs to redecorate her office to have a bit more colour. What do you think? Arthur's brilliant with colour. Mm. Do you think it needs more colour in here? It's very white. It is, mm. isn't it? And we don't do white, do we, Arthur? <laughs> Yeah, you like the blue. Awesome. So there we go. Um, That's what an easy client he is. You've got one more. We might as well finish your house tour. I think you've finished wallpapering the downstairs loose. Yeah, come on, a couple of years. You are so cheeky. (laughs) A couple of years. Is it? Miss, I've done my whole, ha- my whole house. And I'm, I'm starting again now. Board. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so this is the little tiny... Well, they're always tiny, aren't they, downstairs, Luz? So you had these lovely, again, cobalt blue tiles. Yeah, I think because my hallway is this lovely, rich, deep colour and the dancers loot is off the hall i kind of like the idea of continuing yeah, so the, the color floor tiles around are the same, aren't so the they? floor tiles flow through but then these are minton tiles from tops so i wanted to continue this lovely deep lazuli blue from the hallway into the downstairs loo so I got a perfect colour match with these Minton tiles from top so they're quite a traditional Victorian tile look you'll notice they've even got like a skirting board I love tile that. and a little dado rail tile yeah. I really like that detail um, with the grey grout so again you've got that really intense dark wraparound colour but then I've all papered the ceiling it's, it's brilliant. So it's a paper that's a bit sort of, it's not cream, it's kind of off-white, isn't it? It effectively looks like ink blots. It it's looks like, like someone sat yes. on the loo flicking a pen at the it's ceiling. Like a fountain pen at the ceiling. Yeah. yeah, it's a wallpaper from Sanderson. But my husband did point out that he could have just got the effect with the paintbrush. I don't think it would have been quite so elegant myself. But I just as well like the whole idea of in a small space, do something different and wrapping pattern all the way around. I love wallpaper in the ceiling. You've got to just choose your pattern with care because when you start to look at patterns in detail you sometimes realize that you've chosen something which is flowers growing and if you put them on the ceiling yeah. they're growing in the wrong direction well, or that's it so well, you have to be designed to see yeah so it's it's harder to choose the right wallpaper for the ceiling than you might think but obviously your ink block pattern it's like the Rorschach test isn't it (laughs) when you go in there um goes in any direction so that works really well yeah I think I just think it I think it's really fun and it's just enough of uh to make it feel different so this is the would would it be fair to say this is the only complete room in the house 
So, yeah, done. <laughs> yeah. No, my hall's done, is yeah, it? Yeah, my hall's done. done and the downstairs loo. They're the only complete there rooms in the whole house. <laughs> <laughs> so, back in your lovely restful pink sitting room... <laughs> And we have snuggled on my teal sofa. You snuggled sure on your teal that? sofa. Mm. Well, it's right if I sit on it, I haven't got to look at it. Oh, I'm looking at the grey one. Um, we... Which is going, by the way. Oh. You want to see what's coming. You will do soon. <laughs> we have spoken already about how you link the various rooms in your home with colour. With a, with a quite a specific colour palette, you're right. Yes, yeah. and, and I think it, that's very interesting. So I thought we could talk now about how you link it in other ways and create a cohesive look in your home. And it's, you know, the red thread. That's what you call it, isn't it? The red thread, this idea that you can create very different room schemes around your home and yet they all hang together oh, and yeah. there's some connection and flow. And it's actually very subtle, once you know about it, really easy and actually really clever way to make your house feel coherent and up and together. I think what you find once you know about it actually in many ways is that you're already doing it. You don't necessarily know what your red thread is until you stop to think about it. I've seen a lot of homes with absolutely no red thread anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Obviously, we are designers. We immerse ourselves in design. For a lot of people out there, they're really not getting keyed in to what they like you know whether that be texture pattern color furniture styles all of it and I think we mustn't take for granted that people just know what they like um, yeah. I think it can be really overwhelming working out what it is that's right for you what is right for your home and then shock horror how do you make it all hang together I mean it's been lovely this trend for eclectic interiors oh you can have a bit of mid-century yes. modern a bit of Louis XIV a bit of this a bit of that but people are like paralyzed with like but actually I think that's that the work? problem because I suppose all right I might oversimplify and say people know what colors you know there is a strong sort of burgundy slash pink throughout my home in in large amounts and small amounts but I think where people often ask me is first of all how do you create that cohesive look but second of all how do you do it with furniture you know because we mm. I can't think of anybody I know personally who's gone out and bought all the furniture for their sitting room for in example one hit, in yeah. one go you've brought maybe the sofa from your old house then you might have you're inherited looking around, you're looking around here where nothing goes together but, well, but the, the point is it does all go it's but true, I'm just but looking, like, I've collected it over the years because I didn't have a 10 grand budget to just go out and buy everything new I think so we need then. to look how, at some yeah, tips how do you do it well do I think it? you again you do come back to the colors so the one thing would be look at the colors of the woods you've got Right. And, you know, make sure that they tone together. Yeah, they don't have to match, though, they do they? They don't have to match, but there are sort of yellowy woods, there are pinky woods, you know. Oh, so there's looking at So I've got a mid-tone oak floor. It's not particularly stained any colour. It's a natural oak wood floor. Then what's that, like a rosewood? I think that's probably Drinks rosewood, cabinet. but it's got quite a strong grain pattern in it, which your oak flooring has. So, so there you've, the you've got a connection there between the fact that both woods are very strongly grained. I find, for example, you know, a lot of people have, say, pine floorboards stripped back and then they worry about what to do with the dining room table because the dining room table might be a different kind might of wood oak, or a different yeah. colour. It might be an antique oak dining table that you're trying to put on sort of scrubbed pine floorboards. Well, uh, that's where a rug can help as well so, if and you don't have exactly them next it. to one another. So a rug will always break up a fight. Yeah. Um, so And then make <laughs> sure you've got other, going through into other rooms, 
other bits of wood that match or carry that through. Or one very good example I was given, if you've got a marble coffee table, you can buy loads of marble coffee tables at the moment, you know, a big slab of marble with brass legs, then you might want to have a marble clock in another room or a marble candlestick. So it's not just about carrying the colours through, but think the about materials. taking the materials through as well. So maybe I think one of my red threads, which has come through quite unconsciously, is velvet. So I've got a velvet sofa in my sitting room. I've got a velvet chair in my office. My bed head is velvet. So I wouldn't have necessarily thought about that, but I think it's probably it's that thread that mm. carries up throughout the house. Yeah, one way I've done it in my home, aside from the colour, is we've got quite a lot of T&G, tongue and groove door fronts. So my kitchen has got T&G oh, door you're right. fronts. And I almost hadn't noticed and that. And my office storage yeah. which i had built especially had matching it's a different color but it's the same tng white and then at the moment <laughs> yeah it's just white and then coming in here in the living room with the fitted storage in here's got the same door front and it's interesting you haven't noticed because i don't want it to be noticeable i don't want it to be matchy matchy because they're all painted quite different but colors. i think that's also the key um without wanting to sort of scare people and make it sound quite complicated it's because it's cohesive actually that i haven't noticed because you have gone to some effort to do that. As you say, they're different widths of tongue and groove and they've got different handles on or no handles and they're painted different colours. But it keeps that sort of flow going through the house so that you don't notice it. And actually, sometimes what you notice more is where there is no red thread or it's completely jarring. So, you know, someone might fall head over heels in love with a fabulous neon orange cushion in a sale and want to have it in their of house. Of course they would. And that, Who well, would you not would? Who fall would in not? love with a neon and orange that, cushion? That's absolutely brilliant if that's what goes in your house, but you probably need to just have something else somewhere else that is neon. It could be a neon yeah. candlestick and it could be yellow neon as opposed to orange, but you just have to have those little touches throughout and then you almost don't notice it and I think that's perhaps that's the key to a really successful interior design scheme is not that you're noticing everything but that you're just feeling calm and comfortable and together yeah while also being quirky and original and And eclectic and and, yeah and not like a catalogue where everything overly matches. So so what are we saying to sum up how to find your own red thread? Well, I think the key thing is, for me, I'd say consider some architectural details that are congruent throughout your house. So for me, for example, it's a country house and I've got tongue and groove details yeah. pretty much in every room. I think have, as we've discussed, quite a tight colour palette that you keep to and you can use that throughout your home. And then finally, think of the materials that you can repeat, yeah. be that wood or stone or a metallic that gets repeated throughout the house. Yeah. If you are struggling to find your red thread, do check out our Facebook group, The Great Indoors Podcast, where there is a hugely supportive... And if I do say so myself, a very well-informed community chatting away about cushions, colour palettes, pocket doors and the precise meaning of some wallpaper varnishing instructions. I spotted one poster, Kezia, 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 <laughs> Lavender, I'm sorry if we've got that wrong, having a crisis of confidence halfway through painting her kitchen. And she said, I love colour, but since I've started painting in Farrow and Ball duck green, I'm wondering whether it'll be too dark and too bold. And I'm wondering whether I should just have gone for, sorry, Sophie, beige? <laughs> um, what? I'm pleased to report that at the time of looking, yes. 41 people had replied saying, go for the green. <laughs> Yay! 
awesome. Well, I spotted Karen Cook's post where she talks about being creative on a budget. Thumbs up. And she says... I loved all the tips on the last show, but don't listen to Kate and be put off by spray painting. It's really easy. (laughs) She says, I've spray painted IKEA coffee tables, lamps, lampshades and lots more. I've also upcycled lots of charity shop furniture buys. £40 for a gin cabinet is a personal fave and discovered that all you need is a cheap cushion cover to recover a dining chair. God, that's awesome, Karen Cook. Come round to mine, please. I've got one (laughs) or two things. And she's clearly got more patience than me. I take my hat off to you, Karen. And of course, as well as the Facebook group, you can find me and Sophie on Instagram where I'm mad about the house and she's Sophie Robinson Interiors. And we'd love to hear about your red threads. Okay, so for our final topic, I wanted to bring to everyone's attention a bit of an Instagram trend that's going on at the moment that I've spotted. And I'm not the only one, actually. Daisy Angela has contacted me on Instagram. We've had quite a chat about this topic. Oh, yeah. Um, She says, I wondered if there were certain interior principles for adding beading to walls to create more interest and a more period look. She'd like to know our opinions on this and if there's any existing design principles. Um, She's talking about panelling. Panelling, yeah. And she also wants to know our thoughts on dado rail and wainscoting heights. And I've noticed quite a lot of people, including the house that Black built, and there's another influencer called Susanna Hemming Stylist, are getting really jazzy. With the old She's uh, just beading. done some amazing panelling, actually. So there's beading and there's panelling. I mean, you're right. If you haven't panelled a wall, are yeah. you even on <laughs> even Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's one of those things which is, on the one hand, completely classic, completely traditional. Well, it's a period And fe- yet feature, it's all it? over Instagram. Like, like it's, it's just new. reinvented <laughs> sliced bread or something. I mean, it's like, whoa, I've discovered panelling. Um, and I do I have sort of mixed feelings about it I I sort of love it yes but I haven't done it in my house and I keep thinking I might quite like to have you got any panel because you've got a Victorian house Victorian house and there is and chair well is it a chair rail or is it a dado that's another it's a dado slash chair rail so that is the one that is it's not necessarily halfway up it's kind of waist heightish or or a third of the way up so that's well, Very do, you, Victorian. Do, you know what I, do you know, actually, because it's called a chair rail, that's how you can measure where your dado rail should be because yes. they were designed to stop the back of dining chairs scuffing the walls. Yes, exactly. So that's how you can work out where your dado so rail should go. So we actually don't have any of those left. I've put one in what in left? my you office. Took them out. You took them out? No, they weren't there. Oh, right, I mean, okay. they, they just weren't there. I've put one in my office and put anaglypta wallpaper under it. Under the dado? Under the dado, which is in a sort of panelling design, in effect. Right. Um, that sort of raised wallpaper. And then I've painted all the wall the same colour, so you've got sort of texture on the bottom half, but nice. not a different so colour. That's a, that's, a, that's a nice detail. If you have got panelling, if you're putting panelling in... One of the more modern approaches is to paint it all out in the same colour, isn't it? Rather than traditionally, it would have been picked out in different colours. It would have colours. been dark probably on the bottom mm. and lighter on the top. Or they'd have been picked out moulded so in a different colour. The traditional Victorian, I think, is that chair rail height. And then obviously there are picture rails as well, which 
was to hang your pictures from. But nobody's doing that in the name. Um, well, they don't. I think that, I mean, I have got some of those in my house and where I've used a strong colour on the wall, I've gone up to the picture rail and no further and then brought the ceiling colour down to meet it. To make it feel lighter. So actually yeah. it's quite a nice little decorating idea in that it helps you decide where to stop the colour, isn't doesn't it? Rather I than taking it up to the corners. Daisy's talking about that though. I think she's talking about people are just cutting up bits of MDF and <laughs> sticking them on their walls all over to to paraphrase. Um, and there are people doing, you know, very clever things with beadings. And that so the question is, can you do it in any house, whatever the period what, like, of your house? Is it appropriate to do it, you yeah. mean? Um, I know when I was judging the Great Interior Design Challenge with Daniel Hopwood, there was a little bit of faux beading going on in some of the reveals and he would scoff. He obviously is trained as an architect he's got a big passion and big brain for the history of architecture and he's all about the providence darling and if purity it, yeah purity exactly and, he, and his thing is if it wasn't original to the building i get that actually because i don't think it works for me houses traditionally had paneling and i think back to you know henry the third had paneling in windsor castle i looked that up um <laughs> So the panelling was done to before they invented proper plaster on walls, so it was to keep the damp out, it was to keep houses warmer. There were original reasons for doing it. What, like just basically holding the walls together? Holding the house up, basically. Yeah. And everybody did it in different styles. So there is, if you're going to be, sorry, Dan, uh, pedantic about it, there is a Georgian style of panelling and that tends to go two-thirds of the way up the wall. There is a Victorian style, which goes slightly lower. There is an Edwardian style, which is slightly simpler. Up until your sort of mid-century, when it doesn't exist because they had modern techniques, so they didn't need it. And it just, and I, it just fell out I of favour, didn't but, it? And I think it looks wrong. If you live in a 1960s house, to put intricate beaded box panelling doesn't quite look right. It, it's incongruent with it, the architecture. Yes, but yeah. you, can, you can maybe tongue and groove the walls all the way oh, up which well, is something more so, modern so, well tongue and groove is really popular isn't it and really easy to install i mean i think that is originally like a georgian idea isn't it the, the tongue and groove paneling i seem to remember listeners write in and tell me i'm wrong <laughs> so again it's quite an old way of paneling but it can you know for example all the tng that we've already talked about in my house is actually routed mdf it's not original paneling yeah. and it's a modern take on it because i've got a country house but i'm not you know, I've got a Victorian Sussex farmhouse, but I'm not doing a Victorian but I don't think Sussex that would have interior. Been no. So it's so it's just sort of like a nod to the fact that it's quite a country look, but I'm also keeping it modern too. I've got some panelling in my house. Do you know what? I I am on the whole a fan of panelling. What I don't like is the panelling slash cladding, which is sort of thin strips of MDF which have just been stuck on in a grid. That oh, you for me that, because yeah. I for me that doesn't look like a period panelling. It doesn't look like a country tongue and groove. Doesn't look like a timber cladding. It, for me, it's a it's a sort of mishmash of all of them. Well, I actually don't think I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think sometimes rooms and especially actually in more modern properties can just feel like characterless boxes yep. if you don't have as we've said, the lovely wainscots and high skirts and sash windows and all the lovely period features that you've got in your home, for example, 
house can really lack character and it would be wrong, for example, in a low ceilinged property to start adding all those dado rails and picture rails. They just yeah. don't proportionately work. Yeah. So in order to add some texture and interest, I think people are being quite innovative in creating some modern paneling ideas. And I've seen, like you say, either grids or there's like chevron paneling or there's even some like hexagon stuff going on. Look at your face. <laughs> Do you know the one I like? I tell it's you all what, going quite jazzy, but it adds a texture to the wall and a bit of character. And I, I think the one I, I there's one I, that springs to mind is uh, Nicola Broughton, the girl with the green sofa, and she's done in her bathroom some paneling. This is on the Instagram. On she's, Instagram. She's called what on Instagram? The girl, the girl with, with green the green sofa, sofa Nicola right. Broughton. And she's done some paneling in her bathroom, which is just vertical strips, which goes about two thirds of the way up with a sort of bit of edging architrave yes. along the top that I really like oh, because it's just tall because well, I've, I've got that in my house <laughs> oh you've got that in Arthur's bedroom yeah. that yes. works for me because it raises the ceiling and it's tall and thin it's the squares I don't like yeah. all the sort of small squares I think that's why you know in our house okay it's a country house so I I think that that vertical um I mean literally it was just strips of timber mm. ready-made timber it's really easy and simple to do square edge skirting board you can't have any molding square edge skirt then your strips of pine I mean it's quite lengthy I mean what we're not getting into all of this is it's quite easy I think Tom because my husband's a builder just got the old um nail gun yeah fired it up but it's all the caulking and finishing actually and, yeah, and, and you've got to do not, it well. uh, you know the stain not yeah. blocking and undercoating and you know and obviously and also actually time. if you're doing sort of classic victorian paneling you know you and you're doing that in a period house your walls aren't straight oh so it's no. quite a nightmare to apply because it doesn't bend yeah and your yeah, walls yeah. aren't straight so it can be quite hard I, work yeah i think people on instagram make it look really easy but actually to do it well, it's a bit of a faff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. The vertical lines in it was quite his bedroom's fairly smallish, sort of three meter ish square. Um, and it helps bring a bit of height. And like I said, I did it for interest because it's just a boring box room. And I also think actually, you know, to come back to, to old Henry III there, I mean, I live in a terraced house and I think actually having a bit of panelling on the on our sort of shared walls might help not just with insulation, uh, but also with noise. But a soundproofing. But a soundproofing. Ooh, so yeah. it might be quite a practical way. It's just about choosing a pattern which is either appropriate to the house or that feels feels right. So did Henry the Fourth have trouble with noisy neighbours? Is that what you're saying? Henry the Third. Yes, III. I think he probably, yeah, he probably did. did. Yes, all those knights <laughs> carousing about in the minstrels' gallery. It was chaos. Chaos. Poor man wanted to go to bed. <laughs> Okay, so for this episode's Design Crime, I've had a little peruse on our Facebook group, The Great Indoors Podcast, and Emma Patterson has posted a picture of her house, which she's recently purchased, an Edwardian house they bought a year ago. She says, unfortunately, most of the fireplaces are covered up. Oh. Design crime. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's all right if they've just been covered. Ours were all covered up because our house was a rental flats when mm -hmm. we moved in you know so we were really lucky that we uncovered them and they were still there that can be really exciting i know yeah. for a lot of people when they buy a period property it's like is there the original yeah fireplace and it's underneath? very often not actually yeah or you know even the original hearth or the tiles yeah. you know that's what you're really looking out for but it gets worse 
So not only has she had the original fireplace either, well, from her photo, it looks like she's had it removed and quite a modern bog standard DIY shed pine mantle has been kind of stapled Mm. to the wall. But it's not that that I um, say so offensive. I can't actually write what she put because she's even swearing because it looks so awful. (laughs) She says, but don't get me started on those slate chips at the bottom. How can I help it be more of a stunning feature? We'll get onto that. But first of all, slate chips. So this is, you know, where you'd ordinarily have a solid stone hearth or a tiled hearth. Yes. Because those have been whipped out, someone has just created a little bit of a tray and filled it with slate pebbles like you get on driveways. I used to have that in my front garden. (laughs) (laughs) I've just gone outside with a bucket and shoveled a few. Well, I just think it's worth it. Yeah, you say that and... Kate Taylor, our producer, thought that was really odd, but I have seen this before. So I thought that's why it was worth talking about. I just don't think I've oh, it's never clearly seen not a good that. idea. Should we call it a design crime? Putting well, I pebbles so. inside your fireplace. I mean, that's for the garden. That's very peculiar, isn't it? Well, do you know what my big bugbear is? It's just a dust trap, isn't it? Can you imagine oh, yeah. how dusty and sooty it would get if you had pebbles or slate chips? Mrs. Hinch wouldn't be having that. Mrs. Lucy's upset. You know, Lucy <laughs> shouting from like, the kitchen. No! That, but also, I don't know. You know, a hearth is traditionally quite small. I mean, you know, you only need about six or nine oh, tiles. No, that's right. They bought a little bag, a little bag of gardening chips, pop them in. But they've also had to build oh, a tray Kate, to put them in to yeah, stop them going all over the floor. you could nestle some tea lights amongst it. <laughs> or some fairy lights. Stop it now. Stop it now. <laughs> Yes, well, I think we're all agreed that that one is a design crime. So don't put slate chips in your fireplace, I think it's it's an attempt at that sort of Zen Japanese garden vibe. Do you think that's what they were going with it? I don't know. Well, that's fine if you live in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Emma Patterson, and good luck. Keep them coming. Uh, Right, in summary for this episode, we talked about well-being and colour. And I think the main takeout from that is that It's about how the colour makes you feel. So find the right shade and tone for you. We then spoke about the red thread, which is actually not just about colour. When you're trying to create a cohesive look in your house, you need to look at the shapes and the materials and the architecture of your house as well. And finally, panelling. Consider the architecture of your home again. You know, it can add character to boring rooms, but it can be time consuming to do it well. As always, more details and links and lovely pictures will be on our blogs. I'm sophierobinson.co.uk and she is, of course, madaboutthehouse.com. And last time, rather than unseemly begging you to rate and review us, (laughs) we asked you to tell a friend about the show if you like it. And, well, it's working. So thanks so much if you did. And if you haven't yet, please do spread the word. Next time we'll be talking to the fascinating Oliver Heath, who many will remember from Changing Rooms. But since those days, he has become the absolute authority on sustainability and well-being in our homes. But till then, a big thanks. As always, to our wonderful sponsors, Tops Tiles, to our producer, Kate Taylor, and to you, our lovely listeners. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Between the guinea pigs and the dog. Oh, we'd be out in the country today. Honestly, it's like Dr. Doolittle's around here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I can stay in here with the fear that Lucy's going to try and eat F and Jeff. (laughs) We might have to just go back in the other room and point.